Well, hello there, everyone. Welcome to the channel. It is Denise Salcedo. You are listening to Speak Now Pro Wrestling on Wednesday, October 4th. So happy to be back here once again, getting to chat about AEW. But I am not alone. I am joined by none other than Fightful Pro Wrestling's very own Kate Hensler, who is filling in for Righteous Reg because he is at the show uh, or is at the show, maybe probably walking out right now. Who knows? Uh, Kate, thank you so much for being on here tonight. Oh my gosh, always so fun to chop it up with you. I'm jealous that Reg got to be there tonight, but I did get to see him at Wrestle Dream. So a revolving door. We certainly missed you at the pay-per-view, but I'm so glad to hop back on here with you. And I'm glad you had like a a restorative vacation, it sounds like. That's awesome. You know, everybody was asking me, like, why weren't you at Wrestle Dream? Why weren't you at Wrestle Dream? Where is the rest? I'm like, guys, I literally just came back from vacation. I've been jet lagged. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because I came back Thursday and the show was on Sunday, right? Sunday? Yeah, Sunday. And I'm looking at that and I'm going, no, I need to stay home and sleep. Uh, Kate, I've literally been waking up the first couple of days at like 3 a.m., four in the morning, not being able to sleep. So I'm like, there's no way I don't want to see another plane for a good amount of time. So I wanted to stay home. So that's what I did. But uh, thank you. I'm like, I did a watch along. It was very fun. And it was my first AEW watch along to do. And I was a little bit nervous because I was thinking, oh my God, there's going to be so many matches. But because the show was so good, it flew by just like that. So fast. So fast was an absolute blast of a pay-per-view and led into tonight so it definitely did and we have a lot to get into here today i thought that not only were we celebrating aew's four-year anniversary for dynamite but on top of that we just had so much news coming off of like everything that's happened in this past weekend not only did we get wrestle dream but then on tuesday we found out that we not found out because we already knew that aew and nxt were going to be going head to head next week because they're going to be uh both airing on tuesday but NXT really stacked up their show to make sure that they don't to make sure they're competing, right? They announced John Cena. They announced uh, Cody Rhodes. Paul Heyman's going to be there. Roxanne versus Asuka. They were making sure to really pile up that show. But then we're coming out of this show here today, Kate, and all of a sudden, it's like we're getting this match, this match, oh, and that match. And I'm looking at this, and I'm going, oh, my God. Next Tuesday is going to be absolutely bananas on both both sides of the spectrum. It's going to be wild. Um, So I want to start things off with Adam Copeland, though, because that is really the big thing that we have been talking about the last few weeks. Kay, I want to start off by asking you how you felt seeing him come out at Wrestle Dream. So it was a really incredible moment, and it was one that had to happen if you were going to make the main event what it was. So it was good that they followed through on it and on top of it. It was just such a nice little reset button kind of for AEW. Things have been moving so fast and it feels like All In was forever ago. All In was like a month ago. It was not that long ago that we had and all, in all, and out. all Out back to back. Exactly. And here we are at our third pay-per-view basically in a month. So how do you like keep and sustain momentum through all of that? You bring in Adam Copeland. He looked so genuinely happy to be there, both like in the ring and in the in the media scrum. Like he just looked like so excited and so enthusiastic. I think it's a really, really welcome presence backstage, it sounds like. And 
Uh, this is what is so fun about the wrestling landscape. If you sign up to be a wrestling fan and not like kind of a, a solitary promotion fan, if you had told me back when we had a WrestleMania triple threat of Roman Reigns, Brian Danielson, and Edge, that we would be getting Adam Copeland and Brian Danielson in AEW and Jade Cargill and Cody Rhodes in WWE, nobody would have believed you. So I think it's really, um, if you don't get too in the weeds about it, it's a very exciting and transactional landscape right now. And it's fun to watch the biggest free agents on the markets choose new homes. Adam Copeland for the AEW side. I think Jade Cargill was probably the other one. She wasn't really on the free market that long. Obviously, she left kind of as soon as that contract was up. So it's just exciting to see the landscape get shaken up like that. And to his point in his promo, and is so true, he has so many fresh matchups to come in and test himself against, not only with the new homegrown talent and your Ricky Starks and I'm sure we'll get Edge and Darby Allen and the Four Pillars and MJF and everything all at some point. But he had said, like, I've never been in the same ring as Samoa Joe, and they've both been around for 30 years. Um, he mentioned his name twice at the scrum. I think he's really salivating for that. Um, so many established names. He mentioned Moxley tonight. So it's kind of funny how you can be in the same company and still never cross paths or never really cross paths, right? You might have a four-minute match against someone, but it wasn't a part of a story, so nothing materialized. I think it's a really, really healthy thing for the product. I think it would be wise to put him on collision to have an anchoring force there. But a, a big win for AEW that I think that they kind of needed, not from the perspective of their roster was missing anything, but there's just so much value add with Adam Copeland. There certainly is. And you were touching on how Adam Copeland has named all of these people, right? You mentioned Samoa Joe uh, and John Moxley. He did an interview with uh, Sports Illustrated. And in that interview, he literally mentioned not only just all of the people that he wants to work with in AEW, but he also mentioned wanting to do stuff with New Japan. He named dropped Wrestle Kingdom. He named dropped wanting to be at the Tokyo Dome. And I'm going, dude, this is kind of wild because it, it, it is kind of exciting to hear him say that, you know, that he felt uh, free in a sense to do things that he's never done done with and like you said you know getting the chance to possibly work with Samoa Joe down the road two guys that have been in the industry for as long as they have but never worked against each other it is pretty wild so there are some things to get excited about we're going to talk about what actually went down though because today was Adam Copeland's first ever AEW Dynamite appearance and with that he closed out the show with a promo but he was also in the opening of the show before we get to that just a friendly reminder to those of you who are watching here if you guys want to help support this podcast keep us going keep us going strong you are more than welcome to send in a super chat at any point throughout the show and we will be pulling them out and reading them out throughout the entire show so please guys show some love send in those super chats and we will get to them today but now I want to kick things off with the intro of this because I kind of felt like, damn, I wish I was Canadian here for a second because <laughs> it was lots of love for Canada. We had uh, Renee Paquette, Chris Jericho, Kenny Omega starting off the show. They were doing a little uh, backstage interview and then. Adam Copeland comes in and he has this little bit of an exchange where he tells Chris Jericho, it's nice to see him again. They shake hands. And that was very so much nostalgia in that because I'm looking at that and I'm going, oh, my God, all of this history that I've seen between both of these guys in WWE back in the day. And then he has polar opposite 
shaking hands with Kenny Omega. Someone that, you know, seen him with Kenny Omega just across from each other was pretty damn cool. And so you were seeing all of these different worlds, not just collide, but some also, you know, come back together again. So what did you make of this opening segment that we had with Adam Copeland? Very similar to you. I felt like I, I liked the move with Chris Jericho because he's someone that they obviously have extensive history but everybody immediately goes to like the Hardys, right? Cause it's you, when you think of like classic Christian and edge moments or even just edge on his own, like you immediately go back to, I mean, Lord with Matt Hardy, of course, more than anybody, right? Like you immediately, I think go to those guys and you don't really necessarily think about like Chris Jericho, who's also been um, so intertwined with his path and, then you go to someone like Kenny Omega, who's put in a lot of years as well, but they haven't crossed paths. It was a really nice taste of the the kind of duality there. And also, this is what they do with Chris Jericho, right? He's kind of the, I don't have the title, but am the signifier that this is an important or top of the card program if you cross paths with this guy. So I just, they're keeping that going, whether you're a legend coming in or whether you're a young new guy coming in or whatever, if you are in AEW and towards the top of the card, but not in the title picture. Chris Jericho is a guy that you're going to interact with. So they kept that consistency going. Good job, Canada. You've given us a lot of gems. Many of them featured in this segment. Uh, this was fun. And I was also like, I hope they follow this up later in the episode, which they of course did. I figured they would bookend it because you want to grab people in with Adam Copeland's presence and you want to cap off the night, which I think they did beautifully. I, I'm very excited to talk about that as well. I wasn't even expecting him in the intro. Like, honestly, I wasn't expecting him all the way to like the end of the show. And like, I just, I don't know. I was just thinking, okay, we're probably just going to get this. And I was just watching whatever, whatever. And then he comes out and I'm like, oh, okay. Like this is kind of a fun little uh, moment here between all of these guys. So that was very cool. Um, we'll get to more of the, uh, more of the stuff that happened with Adam Copeland in just a second, but I do want to get to a couple of these super chats here. Uh, first of all, shout out to Arrow Holmes, who just became a member of the DWO. So thank you so much. Also Simon Renshaw, who is a member. And he said that tonight, was a pretty good show and also says hello kate and Hi. we got a couple of um super chats to get into so here we go i'm going to start off with grapple geekery who says it's awesome seeing kate on here thanks grapple geekery what a fantastic name i love that handle <laughs> That's what and it's all about. <laughs> we have a super chat from Alexander Fitzgerald who says, petition to make a new t-shirt for Christian, the go F yourself shirt. My goodness, that promo at the end had me at the edge of my seat. So with that, let's get into what happened at the end of this show because we had... Um, <laughs> Adam Copeland comes out and it was very funny because Tony Schiavone... Um, Breaks basically introduces him in, right? And he's telling him how much he loves them, how he was the voice for him, and you know, uh, for all of these years when he was watching WCW. And he's really putting over Tony Schiavone, and then he tells him, "Get out of my ring." So I thought <laughs> that was pretty cute. That was pretty funny, uh, all in jest, of course. And from here on out, he goes on to kind of breaks the fourth wall a little bit here, Kate, because he basically says that in part of making his decision to go to AEW, that his daughter. Daughters helped him out with that. But during this, he makes sure to mention or reference Christian Cage as Uncle Jay. Of course, that's what his daughters know him as. And I thought, oh, we're, we're, we're talking about people's shoot names here. All right, Uncle Jay. <laughs> and so 
He referenced Christian Cage as that. He says that his daughters basically wanted him to go to AEW. They wanted him to work with Uncle Jay, Christian Cage. And then he calls out Christian. Christian doesn't come out. It kind of takes him a second. He finally gets out there. And during this, we end up getting Adam basically telling him that, you know, he loves him. They've had a friendship for 40 years, but he was upset at what he did with Sting. But then this led to him asking him, hey, let's get back together again. Let's form Edge and Christian again. I mean, he didn't say Edge and Christian, but, you know, basically going back and being a tag team again. And I'm thinking there's no way. There's no way they're going to get back together again. It's not going to happen yet. This is not what Christian is doing. So you kind of knew that it was brewing, like something was going to happen. So they end up hugging. They have this little bit of a moment here. And you're kind of thinking, When's he going to drop it, right? When's he going to stab him in the back? When's he going to do it? And then Christian says, go F yourself. Of course, it's bleeped. So you can pretty much make out what he said because all you hear is go. And then the big giant bleep from there. And he walks out. Edge is like just standing there. And he brings out Luchasaurus and Nick Wayne. And that's pretty much how we close out the show. So I think from this point, Part of all of what we saw here between Edge and Christian, I'm really liking the way that not only did he break the fourth wall because, you know, wrestling fans, we're not stupid, right? We know what's going on. We, we know little things of, you know, the news and what's going on behind the scenes, right? We love that shit. We love to know. So hearing him kind of break the fourth wall a little bit, but also bring it back to a way where it makes sense in storyline. I love this. Uh, How did you feel about just like the closing of the show? And did do you think it left it? It lived up to expectations of what you were expecting from Adam Copeland here tonight. It definitely did, man. I was watching this and just, he's real good at this, huh? Like in the back of my mind, because there was so much that could have easily gone wrong if it wasn't in the hands of such a natural talker. And I, that's what's always resonated with me about Edge. I, I like the brood. I like Judgment Day stuff. But like to me, Edge, Adam Copeland, when he's in that natural talking wheelhouse, there's just nobody better doing it. He's so great at this. And there were a few things in here that I really loved. One, I loved him uh, using the name Jay because it's not going to get more personal than this. I think it's so much fun when people do this at the most personal point in a feud. We saw that with Triple H and CM Punk, right? This is Phil Brooks talking to Paul Levesque like, whoa, that rings different. But you can't usually do that in an intro promo because you have to build to that. These guys have such history. This is such an important and personal moment. We knew what was coming. To start calling him Jay here and bringing the stories about his daughter, I thought was perfect. Bringing in what he said at the press scrum and in interviews to this moment too, just blurring the lines of reality with on screen. Who does it better than this guy? Um, and I also liked him saying, you know, I, I didn't take the chair from you because I wanted to turn it on you. I didn't want you to be this this guy anymore. I want you to be the guy that I know, the guy that I tagged with, and he's not this kind of dude. Um, it's just a perfect way to set up Christian countering that, right? Like the, the more you start to talk about your storied history together, your friendship, your iconic feuds, the, the deeper it's going to hurt us when Christian pulls that away and says, go F yourself. So I just thought... Um, him being able to weave in and out of the fact like you're the bad guy, but I want you on my side. And then to immediately have that counter punched and all of that to go so smoothly, I thought was pretty brilliantly architected. And when it goes so smooth like that, it's easy to forget how, how many points things could go wrong in that. 
but he's a master at this. He knows what he's doing. So I thought it was great. And I just also thought it was a very smart thing to bookend the program with because you have people tuning in to find out what's going on here, right? So you see him shake hands with other very recognizable people. And then you close out the show with this major moment. The only thing I thought of that might play negatively was if I'm tuning in for the first time and I'm told like he's going to be wrestling a dinosaur. (laughs) I sincerely don't know. Like if I'm tuning back in after this badass nostalgic moment with Christian and then Christian's like, let me remind you of what you're going to be facing on Wednesday. And out comes the dinosaur. It kind of doesn't, I don't know if it falls through with the punch in the same way. I do think the Luchasaurus presentation is enough to kind of overcome the corniness, but I'm not a casual fan, right? I'm in a Luchasaurus. I'm sitting here. So just a thought I had of if you're a first time viewer, maybe that's not the thing that gets you to tune in to this next week over NXT. But other than that, I thought it was an absolute home run of a segment. But you're right, by the way, about the whole Edge Luchasaurus match, because I have a friend who doesn't watch AEW, who only watches WWE. And so obviously is fully aware of of Edge, clearly, and going to AEW. And uh, my friend sent me a text saying, Edge versus Luchasaurus? Like, that's kind of a not-so-great first match. And I'm like, yeah, I know. But then I had to hit him with the... Yeah, it falls in line with the storyline. So I, you know, that's the reason why. But Person, I found myself yeah. right, exactly. But then it's like somebody who doesn't watch AEW programming. And obviously, you know, you if they're gonna it makes sense for their storyline. Okay. I get it. I get why they're doing the Luchasaurus match, but is it a first great first big, Oh my God, edge is going to wrestle this person uh, type of match. Certainly not. I mean, I feel bad for Luchasaurus, but let's be real. Let's be real. Okay. Like it's not a big match, but again, I think because I'm so excited about like just the possibility and also because I am watching the product, I know that this falls in line with what they've started to do already. So I'm like, okay, fine. I get it. But I do also understand, why people that may have wanted to tune into AEW to watch Edge wrestle are probably thinking, okay, well, he's going to be wrestling a dinosaur, Luchasaurus. That's not necessarily screaming hot ticket shit, right? But with that being said, I do think they made up for it with all of the other matches that were announced for Title Tuesday. So we'll get to that in just a second. But let's see what else people are saying here. We got so many super chats. Thank you to everybody who's been sending in their support. And by the way, I do agree with Alexander Fitzgerald when he said that we need to go get the go, uh, go F yourself t-shirt. Uh, Sheldon Jackson sends in a super chat saying, tonight's promo with Adam Cole, Strong, Taven, and uh, Bennett honestly was the introduction to a very god-awful porno. <laughs> porno! Uh, the music choice didn't help it at all. I don't remember the music, but the music was very forgettable. It's like elevator music. Agreed. Wasn't anything too special with the music, but I loved it. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, we have another super chat from Robert Arsenal who says, AEW is known for its wrestling, but those vignettes tonight were great. Tony Storm, Adam Cole, Roddy, Samoa Joe, all were great. They really were and so different. You need that, Kate, because when you have these very different types of promos, especially the Tony Storm one, it's one of those things where you're like, I get it. I get the character. I get what she's doing. I get her purpose. So let's talk about that um, right now. I want to take a second and talk about this Tony Storm stuff. Yep, there you go. <laughs> You can say it. You're Taylor. No, no, I was about to say it and do it. And then I'm like, wait, no, Denise, do you really want this out there in the world (laughs) wide web? To not see that. Yeah. Yeah, They'll get clapped and taken out of context. (laughs) Yeah. Especially with two women on the show. Yeah, that's not going to. All of a sudden, we're just going to. 
All, yeah. all we're gonna need is the background music kate from That's Sheldon, right. where he was talking about the roger strong promo we're just gonna need the background music and all of a sudden it's gonna be it's gonna turn into a whole other stream in here but anyway we're tits gonna have up. only fans whether we want one or not That's just gonna go all sorts of places all right so tony storm i swear to god this woman Every single week that she comes out on television, she is giving me so much meme material, so much material. <laughs> I'm like, when did this girl take acting classes, man? She completely has been nailing this like Hollywood starlet that has gone, you know, kind of batshit crazy. And it is freaking entertaining all of her faces. I'm like, how many faces can one person make? You have the same face every week, but yet you're making different facials. Like that's pretty entertaining to see. So I want to start off with the vignette because during this, we've been seeing these vignettes that she's been doing with RJ City, right? This impossible interview that he's been doing. And during this, she starts kind of like freaking out, having a panic attack about her future and all of the pressure and this and that. And she's choking RJ City. And she even mentions a little bit about her age. And RJ's like, but you're not old. And she's like, I'm timeless. And she starts doing these things with her hands. And she's had this epiphany of how about how she's timeless. Uh, what'd you think about the she's timeless thing now? She's, she's so brilliant, man. This has been such an incredible transition and it's been so seamless from the first promo where she was like oh without my title i'm not a star to you anymore am i not enough for you anymore to now completely unhinged right this is so much fun i feel like i better understand her and juice robinson as a couple to be honest through all right this. before They're i didn't get it i didn't get it before in the world what a riot would 10 out of 10 go on a double date with them um this is this is just a blast. And I love that RJ City spearheading it because if you aren't familiar, um, he had those baby face vignettes that he was doing, those promos on on his YouTube back in the day. It's very similar to his baby face character. So him to be anchoring the other side of this, I think, is so much fun. But it's also so different than anything else that's going on in the women's division right now. It's such a refreshing fold-in. And because her in-ring is there to back it up, almost like with Orange Cassidy. When she gets in the ring, you're like, one hip attack and I'm reminded, right? Like, I'll, it doesn't take a lot to remind you. She's a world-class wrestler despite being this unhinged weirdo. She was hysterical in match today. But these vignettes have been home run after home run after home run. And they've also done the job, too, of progressing things, right? Like, as funny as they are, we have to remember that the point of these is to move things in a certain direction. And I think they've done that perfectly. So, feel like we're at full-on unhinged Tony Storm. This is a blast. And one of my favorite parts of every episode she's on. It's just a blast. But wait, there's more. So Tony Storm has a match with Sky Blue. And we need to talk about some of the things that they did in this match. More in particular, there was a moment where she was, you know, she was beating up Sky Blue. She was doing her thing. The match was progressing. And then there is a shot where she looks straight into the camera. And she basically says that... We'll be right back after these very, very important sponsors. It's a very poor imitation of Tony, but she looks into the camera. She does that. And I'm going, oh, my God, that's something I've never seen before. That feels mm -hmm. new. And it, and kind of it's funny as how she took me back to like, I don't know, the 19, I don't know, 20s or something. Just with the way that she said that and the way that she said that on camera, it reminded me of like those old school shows. And so I really liked that part. And so then great. there was another moment where she 
was also slapping the tits of Sky Blue right before <laughs> that commercial break. So it was funny because she not only tossed us to commercial, but she kind of left us with a cliffhanger as, oh, I'm going to be, you know, going at these girls' titties. Um, and then Amazing. from there on out, there is a moment in this match where she calls for her close-up. So they zoom out, then zoom in, and she has this, like, moment where she's, um, you know, posing for her headshot. She looks like she's, you know, doing Vogue or something. She's Madonna, so that was pretty cool, too. Then there was another portion of this match, and I don't know how many people caught this one. It was kind of a small moment, but commentary did make a mention to it. There was a part where... Tony Storm was grabbing the assets of Sky Blue and it lasted several seconds. If it would have been like a quick thing, I would have been like, oh, whatever. But they made sure to sell it on commentary. Um, she gets the win here. What did you think of all of these little things that they did in this matchup? I think it is incredible how quickly she has transitioned. She's getting a ton of credit for the character. Her in-ring acclimation to this character is incredible. This is not badass, wild child of the 80s, hard-hitting, hip attack, whatever, Tony Storm. Like, she still has a lot of hard-hitting moves, don't get me wrong, but, like, to see her be a completely different character and telling completely different stories and acclimating her moveset along with that, I think, is some of the most inspired aspects of this whole thing. And don't sleep on it, because... That's really tricky. Like all the acting stuff is great, but to be able to completely switch up how you act in a ring um, from badass to comedic heel right now, and I think eventually face, right? This is just too much fun to not eventually turn into a face thing. It is just incredible. Like all of those little nuances that you called out, her throwing the shoes on collision, like having shoes under the ring on pay-per-views and stuff like it is, it is such a testament to how much care a wrestler takes with their own character to be able to switch things up so drastically and not make it feel like you're watching a completely different person. Like, unbelievable work from her. Loved this. Sky Blue was a good dance partner for this because you kind of knew which way it was going. Thought this was an absolute blast of a match and just so impressed by the entire presentation and in-ring refresh that she's had in this. What a... What a fun piece of our Wednesdays and Saturdays. Yes, I agree. Much love to Tony Storm. She is timeless. All right, we got some more super chats to get into. So here we go. This one is from Meet Normus. It says, Hola, Denise, Kate, sup, Patna. Meet loves you both. Thank you so much, Meet Normus. Sheldon Jackson says, the new 2023 Christian Coalition, Christian Cage, leads once again. Luchasaurus is the Tyson Tomko row, and Nick Wayne is the AJ Styles row. Interesting. I wonder where they go from here. So Tyson Tomko, my favorite thing ever was when he was with Edge in, I'm sorry, with Christian in TNA, and he used to do the no. That to me <laughs> so was always the best thing. Like when I think of Tyson, Tom Tyson Tomko, that is the first thing that comes to my mind. Whenever Christian would tell him something, he'd be like, no, it was the best thing ever. Um, thank so you so good. much to Sheldon for that. Um, we got a super chat here from Mr. Santi Zap. Thank you so much to Mr. Santi Santi Zap. who says Swerve versus Danielson. Oh my God. Uh, first of all, shout out to Mr. Santi Zap, who's been absolutely killing it on his YouTube channel. And then in regards to Swerve versus Danielson, dude, Kate, what? This has been 
why Brian Danielson is just the best, right? He comes back early. He has a strap match with Ricky Starks, followed by a Texas death match with Ricky Starks, followed by a technical 10 out of 10 masterpiece with Zack Sabre Jr., which was one of the best, probably the best live match I've ever seen. Uh, and now he's going in the ring with Swerve, who's a completely different style, character, um, nice story pivot too. I, I like this a lot because this is for a title and Danielson, of course, has not won a title, but is obviously the best wrestler in the world. One of the top, uh, inarguably, I would say. So I just, I'm so blown away by the legacy of Brian Danielson. And I'm, I'm, when he does retire, I'm so intrigued to see how many times we say, oh, Brian Danielson had the best X match of all time, strap match, you know, any any technical match, whatever. And then there's just going to be a career of things like this that are just regular matches that are going to be absolutely insane, high level. It'll be the best thing that you saw for the night, probably for the week. It'll be bananas. Um, and this is how you counter punch. This is how you counter punch. If NXT is sending John Cena and Cody Rhodes and Oscar that way, you throw Swerve and Danielson to keep the momentum going. I love this. Um, this is going to be a whole heck of a lot of fun. I can't remember if that's on Collision or Dynamite. I think it's for Dynamite. It's Dynamite. Yeah, it's okay, Dynamite. Yeah. yeah. So, they announced, say, uh, uh, usually they, they announce like four things, sometimes two to four things per show. But this time it was six items. And I know this because I screenshot everything. And I was I was typing it down. I even forgot one match. And I was like, oh, shit, I got to go put, go back and put this match. Because <laughs> I'm only so used to them announcing like four things per show. Uh, but no, they made sure to do a lot of announcements, of course, for Title Tuesday. Um, but the thing that That's I do want to- taking extra deep breaths to get it all out, Dude, right? <laughs> for reals. I kind of hate it, though. Can I be honest? In the beginning, I thought it was funny to go through it so fast fast but now I kind of hate it because I like to know what the matches are everybody likes to know what the like, matches are them. yeah exactly <laughs> so let me at least look at the graphic and process the information <laughs> before we move on to the next match for the fair. next match fair, um fair. The thing that I do want to take a second and talk about really quickly is Swerve. We already know how great Brian Danielson is, right? We know that already. But Swerve has been having literally like the best last couple of months. Dude has been freaking killing it. Even when he wasn't supposed to be, I guess you can say the focal, the focus point, uh, he really has come out shining in every single thing that he's done. So I feel like this match kind of feels like a little bit of a reward on top of all of the other things that have been going on in the last couple of months for him in his career. So it's been really great to see. Greg, right. Cherry Brand. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Kate. Oh, I was just going to say, I also feel like on Swerve's side, it's interesting for the story, right? Because he said, I want to take Adam Page's spot. He made it very clear it's not really about Hangman as much as it is about the role he had in the company. So if he's trying to climb the ladder, this title shot should be something that impacts him, whether he wins it or loses it, right? That should like mess with things a little bit or it should propel him forward. So I think there's a lot of fun to be had with that side of the story. And he's just been an unbelievable top heel. You're 100% right in that. Greg Cherry Brand says, just showing love to two of the best, Denise and Kate. Thank you so much, Greg. John Deller says, what did you think of Wardlow? Well, let's get to that, my friends. Uh, so we haven't seen Wardlow in a hot minute, everybody. And it hasn't, I'm going to be honest. Where we were at with Wardlow come uh, double or nothing when he had that match with MJF was literally peak of the mountain of my, in my opinion, it was peak for Wardlow. And 
after that victory that he had with MJF, after defeating MJF the way that he did, I'm like, oh my God, shit's just going to skyrocket for Wardlow. All of these great things are going to happen. But then it slowly just started to trickle, trickle, trickle down. His TNT championship reign, unfortunately, was not all that. And then... You know, he got into this program with Hobbs, with Samoa Joe, and things were kind of okay. Like, it was good. It was okay. But then once again, he gets the title, and nothing really comes of that once again. And then out of nowhere, he really just disappears from our television screens. And all of a sudden, he's back today. And he comes out, and he's doing this very mean power walk, gets into the ring. He uh, has a match with Griff Garrison, hits him with five power bombs, gets the win, and walks the hell out. I'm looking at this, Kate, and I'm going, damn, I feel bad for Wardlow and his last, you know, year, year and a half, whatever. I feel like Wardlow, like I said, was really, he had a lot of momentum and it really just, it got lost. It really got lost. And I don't know what they can do differently to kind of bring that back up. And I hope that they figure it out because I want to see I want to see Wardlow do awesome shit. Wardlow's pretty fucking cool. But right now, you kind of forget about that. I think this was a good start if it's going in the direction I think he could be. Um, him being back on screen, I think, is a wise call. I also think if you're AEW, you might want to say, hey, our other biggest homegrown star, we don't want them to walk to WWE when their contract is up. We just had our biggest homegrown star leave and get treated like a queen on her incoming to WWE, right? So probably a wise person to get that person back on TV with some interesting creative. Um, if he's coming in here on behalf of MJF, that opens the door to a lot of possibilities. I could not agree with you more about his peak being before he got the title and then the drop-off happening after he got the title both times. That is something that I feel like happens it used to happen more in AEW. I think there's more care being taken with it now, but they put so much into the chase and then the reins fall a little bit flat. Like the chase with Adam Page was so much bigger than his reigns. I still really liked his reigns. Those matches with Daniel said, I'll never forget. Like the Lance Archer defense was great. There was so much in there, but I do feel like more goes into the chase than the actual reign sometimes. And I, I think they're course correcting that a bit here very interesting possibilities if he's like under this mjf umbrella a little bit um i'm so intrigued to find out if like you know mjf's this in between guy like it, it seems like if he's under under this as a creative move I, I think it would be really interesting to find out like what their relationship would look like if he's coming back on screen in this capacity so i love the idea of he's is Wardlow going to be a heel if he's under this MJF group? Because it certainly looks to be that way to me. Yeah, um, I got heel vibes for sure. For sure. Yeah, like I, I think it, it's interesting. Um, there's just a lot of interesting possibilities because we haven't seen him on that side of the coin since he was in a super group, right? So for him to now be out on his own in a heel, I think is going to be something that's really, really cool. So that's what I'm thinking. If that's the direction they go in, I think that could be really, really fun because. MJF is always surrounded by a bunch of people. If it's like under that, I think that could be really, really cool. And who else is going to be in that and mixed up? Like, I think there's a ton of possibilities. So very happy to have Wardlow back. I think they need it. I think he needs it. I think it's a really, really good call. Very intrigued to see where it goes. But that would be to me like the ultimate way to get Wardlow back is have him in that, that like MJF pile 
um, because they already have such a sordid relationship. And when was he the hottest? Under the MJF file. So to me, that's the way to go. We'll see what way they take it. But I think that could be a whole heck of a lot of fun. Yeah. And so I, okay, so I'm trying to remember exactly who he did the interview with. I don't remember who, but a couple months ago, Wardlow did an interview with someone. And one of the things that he said was that he was kind of down, uh, like kind of down in the dumps about not being on TV. And I was like, damn, where did we get to a situation where we're not seeing Wardlow on TV? So, I mean, again, happy for him and we'll see where they take it from here. Magnum Waite says, love the idea of Christian being somewhat better because of Edge was always the bigger one in WWE if they go with that angle. They can go so many different directions here because these two guys have so much history and are like legitimate real close in real life so yeah you can definitely go a bunch of different directions here amir f says tony storm during the picture in picture said it's time for a titty slap uh give me those titties huh i saw a couple of people said that on twitter that she said that um i love that and you know where i think she kind of started teasing this by the way in a media scrum that she did i forgot for what pay-per-view but she basically said that she think it was about jade she said something along the lines of oh i'm gonna slap the titties off of her and after that i feel like we started getting more of this mentioned stuff so uh really good stuff there magnum weight says if wrestling has taught me anything about women it's smeared lipstick equals crazy love the tony <laughs> storm story plus an actual story without the title for women yes you know, I've been talking about this. This is one of the things that I've, we've talked about, uh, Reg and I, how not only should you have the, obviously the story, the main title picture, but we need some other stories. We need some other things because that is what's going to help keep the women's division, you know, really feeling like well-rounded. So uh, I'm very excited that they are doing this with Tony Storm and it's getting over and a lot of people are liking it. Sheldon Jackson sends in a very generous super chat. Thank you so much to Sheldon for this. He says... Please, TK, have Tony Storm become the TBS champion. That title would fit her character so damn well. Being a starlet for TV movies, it'd be the chef's kiss to her character. That title and her are truly a perfect match. Uh, is this something you would like to see, Kate? Um, I think there's something really special to the point you had just made about somebody being really over without a title. And I would try and write on that because she is a multi-time champion already. I would love to see... Ruby Soho gets some love. I really, really would. Like, it would be nice to see her get that moment because I feel like she's earned it and her and Chris have such a built-in history. I would not be mad about this at all, though. There's a ton of crossover you could do. It could be an absolute blast to have her, um, you know, kind of reclaim pieces of herself in this way, right? Like, I, I feel like it's a, a really good uh, fit if you did want to do that, but my thing is, if you're white hot without the title and you can do work, especially in the women's division, outside of, of a title picture, keep that momentum riding. That's that's just my take on it. But wouldn't definitely wouldn't hate it. Would not be mad about that. <laughs> Meet Norma says, Tony needs to be the first to accept her Fightful Award on screen as though it's an Oscar. She's an example of not needing a title uh, tittle to be over. <laughs> Good stuff, man. Good stuff. Errol Holmes says, Denise, please do the Mitch McConnell pose. Welcome back. All right. So, Kate, you're probably going, what the fuck did I just walk into? So I forgot on one of our previous shows, and I don't know if someone here might remember, but. <laughs> okay, so Reg asked me a question and I, for I forget what the question was, but it was kind of a question that got me going, oh, fuck. 
what am I going to say to this? Because like my real answer, I think everybody kind of knew my real answer, but then I was kind of trying to think of a good way to say it. So I had this face of like, <laughs> I literally just froze and was McConnell face. <laughs> and Reg was like, all right, Mitch McConnell. <laughs> and I had a Mitch McConnell moment. Okay, I could not for the life of me think of any words. I just froze. <laughs> I had nothing. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> you I can see the wheels it. in my brain spinning too. It's hilarious. Oh. Um, so that was probably, uh, that was one of my favorite moments. I'm, so, I'm trying to remember what the hell the question was that Reg asked me. Uh, at some point, I will remember. All right. So uh, Matt Corso also sends in a super chat saying, new Tony Storm gives me classic gold dust vibes. Ooh, very different, but I get what you're going with that. Jared Clark says, Tony Khan, please push Anna Jay and Ty Mello next year in both singles and tag team matches. Give Anna some Hunter Hearst Helmsley influences. So do you think, I mean, obviously right now, Timelo, she is on the verge of having a baby. I think she's due in December. So I'm not expecting her back, you know, in action anytime soon right now. Maybe I'll give it a couple of months, however long she decides to, you know, stay out. Uh, as for Anna J, is there anything that you would like to see for Anna? Or yeah, do you feel I like mean, we reps, kind of... Like, I, I feel like... Um she had such momentum behind her and then was one that kind of fell off. Like I really was like, she's going to be champion sooner than later at, at points. And then with the heel turn, it just, it's never felt organic either time. Like it never um, felt like the first time that she was a face was almost to bail her out of a heel turn that wasn't working. And then this last heel turn felt inorganic to who she was. I like the queen slayer. Like I'm into that side of her very much. So, um, but I feel like, it's almost not what she's doing. It's more that they need to commit to a direction with her and put her on screen and, and give her reps for sure. Like that's, that's kind of my thoughts with her. Cause I think she's a really talented young lady with a, a really bright future ahead of her. They just got to find the right spot for her now that the jazz is mostly broken up. It seems. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would hope so because they sure as hell made it seem like it was over. So yeah, yes. I don't want them to run it back and pretend like that didn't happen. It's over. The jazz is over. Break done. it up. We're done. Um, we got a super chat from cheeky monkey who has kind of a fun question for us. He says, if you were a female indie wrestler and had equal money offers from all three, would you go to impact NXT or AEW? Uh, equal money offers. I'm going to impact. Really? Yeah. I think, okay. um, the treatment of if if I was on the indies, the next stepping stone for me would be impact because it would be the best way to showcase what I can do. And then when a contract renewal went, I would probably go to NXT or AEW. Likely NXT because they have I mean, they had four women's matches on NXT this week. Like they're doing really, really well with screen time for women. But I feel like kind of depends on where you are at as a wrestler too. But I feel like the way Impact treats women's wrestling is the gold standard in the u.s so i would i would go there if the money was equal yeah i was gonna say when you make the money thing equal it does make you go okay well what where would i go i would go to nxt honestly because yes impact is great with their women's division but i just there's just more eyeballs on nxt 
And so I feel for me, I would definitely go with NXT because like you said, they're doing great stuff with the women. We talk about that every Tuesday on here. And so, yeah, I would definitely go with NXT. Unfortunately, I wouldn't go with AEW only because they still need so much work with their women's division. So uh, I love this hypothetical. Now I'm out I here. I'm fun. out here thinking of myself as some hot shit indie wrestler. <laughs> God knows it would never happen for me. <laughs> and then... Uh, Gerard. Oh my God, am I saying that right? Gerard? 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 I said Jared Gerard. the first time. So it's Gerard. Yeah. Gerard. I'm so sorry, man. Thank you so much for your correction. Uh, I hope you I keep don't sending that. in money. We're going to keep saying it wrong, though. I know, you know right? I'm going to keep saying we'll Jared like, on purpose. Why don't you keep saying Jared? Yeah, I think because Jared is more of a common name, I guess more common than Gerard, right? Yeah. Probably. All right, Gerard, my apologies, man. Thank you so much for the super chat and the love. All right, so let's go ahead and press on from here. I want to go ahead and dive into um, the... The video package, we kind of touched on it briefly a little bit earlier, but I want to get into the video package that we saw with Roderick Strong and Adam Cole and Matt Taven and all these guys. Um, <laughs> Roderick Strong calls Adam Cole for an emergency, and he goes... And the emergency is really he has a gift for him. And then he ends up asking him for help with his furniture. And Adam Cole ends up doing this. And it's really silly. They're out there playing around. They're being goofy. We got a giraffe, which I completely marked for. Like Sheldon Jackson said, we got the porn music going. Uh, what'd you make of this? Uh, well, it was fun when I watched it back with the audio. <laughs> yep. That one hurt. Feel bad, um, man. TBS needs to get it together. They do. They, they do. They're freaking screwing everybody every up. week. Yeah. Uh, what a what a blast this whole thing is. The way these are being filmed with Adam Cole's face is hysterical to me. Like his the it's just like an up close shot of his face whenever he's like about to turn his back on Roddy. This is so fun. It's so insane how much I'm so impressed by how over this is, um, and how over. Pretty deadly has gotten the shoulder injury on SmackDown. How um, Elton Prince is just in a wheelchair week after week, even though he has a shoulder injury. Like these over gimmicks with injuries have been unbelievable to me in pro wrestling. I'm having so much fun with them, but I love that they're continuing to move this along and that they're continuing to use Adam Cole, who's valuable in so many different ways here, uh, despite being injured. Like, I, I think it's a really, really good call to keep him on screen and to keep the story moving because MJF's still the title holder. We've still got issues to work through, right? So I think this is really, really fun. Um, I, the, they're just hysterical. They're a really fun part of uh, the Wednesdays. And with Adam Cole being out, I feel like a vignette's a good way to go because they cannibalized. I thought it was all really good last week, but they cannibalized a lot of television time. So these kind of quicker in and outs are a good way to go. Meet Norma sends in a super chat saying this is for the swear jar. Looking at you, Denise. Oh, boy. Meet Normus. If you're going to send in super chats for my swearing, you're going to go bankrupt, bro. Yeah, bro. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> Try to like be respectful on other people's channels. Oh, man. Kay, are you kidding me? Sailor. <laughs> no, I, you know, I'll be honest, though. Once I start cursing, once I start, you know, saying all these things, that's when I'm really comfortable. You know, it just happens. It just comes out. It's just my natural self. But I want to get into the MJF portion of this, because this is the thing that's got me really freaking excited. I was already excited when I saw this whole thing start uh, when we had the back and forth with MJF and Jay White last week. Oh my God. I was so freaking into that. Like I have been waiting for this because I really do think that Jay White in AEW, I guess I, I wanted things to move 
a lot faster for him. I, I, I kind of felt like we took a second to get to the point where he's at right now. And so for me, I'm looking at this and I'm going, I really want to see. And I know this is I, chat. I'm waiting to hear your guys' thoughts here on this one. I know you guys are going to turn on me right now, but I really want to see Jay White defeat MJF for the title. I really want to see Jay White become AEW world champion at full gear in Los Angeles and manifesting it for it to happen. So, and I'm curious to see if, if the chat is, is in favor of that or not in favor of that. And also if you guys watch this on the replay, please let me know. Or if you listen to the audio, you're more than welcome to tweet me your opinions on this one. All right. So MJF comes out and he's putting himself over. He has he, by the way, Bullet Club's out there. You got the guns and you also got Juice Robinson. Jay White's not out there though. Then MJF comes out and he starts putting over himself and talks about some of his highlights from uh, Dynamite and things that he's done. And he basically denies that he attacked Jay White. And he poses a Stockton street fight and starts making his way into this ring. There's three guys in there and he's making his way in and he ends up basically getting screwed here and he ends up getting attacked by not just these three guys but also jay white who comes out out of nowhere attacks mjf as well and then afterwards once they're all done with that jay white basically tells them we're not buying what you're sounding with what you're saying that you weren't the one who attacked me and he says we're the ones who know who the real mjf is and he is a coward and so he challenges him Asked for the AEW World Championship match at full gear and MJF accepts. I'm freaking stoked. By the way, before we kind of run this down, afterwards, we did have a backstage segment where he's being interviewed by Renee Paquette and he calls Adam Cole on the phone and Adam Cole doesn't answer because he's out there freaking uh, hanging out with Roderick Strong. But all right, let's get into this. Jay White, MJF, are you as excited as I feel like I am for this? Uh, how are you feeling about the story? Do you think that Jay White's going to defeat MJF? Should he defeat MJF? Where are you at with this? I would not at all be mad if he defeated MJF. I, I've i now sold myself on this idea that like Wardlow is going to infiltrate this group of devils and eventually turn back on MJF and be the one to dethrone him. I feel like that's just like the the perfect way to sew up their relationship. But I will say like, this is a really refreshing program and that I feel like the heel and the face side of this are both really complex. And I feel like both of them are making really good points at each other. And I feel like uh, both of them feel like world's title level wrestlers and either of them could walk out with it. Like it, it feels less predictable than a lot of defenses. Cause there's been a lot of times you've been like, well, I know MJF's going to win. I'm like, well, m- maybe not, especially with Cole being injured now. Right. Like this was probably not the original plan. What if the plan was dropped Cole? Do you just throw this in here? Is Jay White holding it till Cole can get back? Cause that would be a really, really fun return program. Like there's a lot of pieces going on with this. And I also feel like I always go back to like him saying reign of terror, like the MJF reign of terror. It was not a consecutive defenses thing with Triple H during the Reign of Terror. It was a, um, there were a couple times that got hot potatoed and we haven't seen a title defense hot potato really. Like, I think you could drop and have him get it back. I think if that's the match for full gear, you've got some really fun programming coming up with against 
both of the guns and Juice Robinson as well. I love seeing them show up on, on Dynamite and not just be relegated to Collision. So my thing is, I'm rooting for Wardlow. I've been in this camp for a while. I feel like the, there's a really fun play here that if MJF is realigning his guys, um, he could be the guy to to come up underneath and also... You know, wait. So you want Wardlow to be the one to eventually defeat MJF? I do. I do. Oh, no. I think oh, hell no, Kate. Oh, hell oh no. my goodness. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but they would have to do so much for me to say yes right now because those TNT title raids, they were so boring. I'm sorry. I know. Yeah, but I'm I don't a heel. Think it was his fault. I'm a heel. I don't, I don't care. Though, we that. saw it twice, Kate. Favorite. We saw it twice. So oh, I'm out. Yeah. I'm out. I do not want to see right now this iteration and what we've seen from Wardlow. I would not want to see him as AEW no, World but Champion. Did we not get? He great? would have to change and go back to how it was when he was first doing the storyline with MJF and how hot he was there. But you would really have to take me back in time and get that same amount of uh, that same uh, that same amount of buzz. I, I don't. I don't see it right now. No way. Wow. A hard no from it's a hard, I'm a hard no. yes on it's this. It's a zero percent, bro. I'm like negative on this one. Wow. I feel like there's such an opportunity here. I feel <laughs> like you invested so much in MJF. Three times. Wait, apparently it was three times. Was it really three times? Am I losing count here with how many times he's been champ? TBS champ? I mean, well, TNT champ, excuse some- me. The one flip back and forth, right? Let me um, let me let me good let me double check this. All right, continue on. I, I I'm I, gonna continue I on with my you. defensive war lotion dethrone MJF. It I was three like, times. You see, it was so bad I didn't even remember the third it was time. The one that flipped real fast to hops, right? Like that was the really, three times. Really yeah. So um yeah, no, I I feel like the thing with MJF is like you've invested so much into him. And if you go and put it on Jay White, that's awesome. If you go and put it on Kenny Omega, that's awesome. But, like, if you want the handoff to really mean something, Wardlow's the dude. Like, I I feel like it's a very fun way to make that payoff. And I don't think Wardlow needs a year-long reign either. I think there's just a way to capitalize on the momentum that you lost with him and build it back up because of their history. There is so much – there is so much – juice and the biggest moment of my career you flirted with getting on a plane and you pussied out like i think there's there's a lot a lot a lot that you can lean into promo wise uh not that many people have beat mjf before wardlow is someone that has beat mjf rather rather cleanly um i i don't know man you're in a negative percentage on this and i have it all mapped out in my head (laughs) i'm like i'm the spongebob meme right now i i'm a head out (laughs) You're hey. on that out. I feel like if we're reassembling people around MJF, which like Adam Cole's out, he's not going to go it alone. He can't, right? That's the character we've come to know and love. Who's the first guy that guy's want going to want to get into his employ? The guy that beat him. It makes perfect sense to me. Um, as well as some other underlings, I feel like is really important. But I, I feel like um, their sordid history is the best thing that's ever worked for Wardlow. And he was so over when it happened, revisiting it and having the title drop to him in the process. Even if he loses it back a couple weeks later, or a couple months later, I'm, I'm all in on this idea that I've manufactured. <laughs> Kate, Kate, bless your heart. Bless that Denise your heart. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it so I'll much. say this though. I'm not mad about the idea of him dropping to Jay White at all. Like I, I I'm, <laughs> 
I'm not mad about that idea. I just like mine better, which is why I made it up. Yeah. And by the way, I hate to break it to you, Kate, but right now, so far, we're seeing a couple of people kind of mainly like, nah, I don't think so. We yeah, got yeah, little fit. Look at everybody I just sheep following Denise's idea. We got Austin Cruz here who says, I'm with Denise about the Wardlow thing. He needs to rehab rehabilitate himself. Why do we can't even talk anymore yeah, uh, no for thing. a little bit uh, <laughs> before he wins the title. I'm not uh, saying do it tomorrow. Which blade for the title. I know you're not saying do it tomorrow, but I feel because it just did not work out with him as TNT champion three times. Apparently forgot about one. Yeah, that's but terrible. Because of how it was booked, not because of that dude. That dude rules. Yeah, but no but it's point like, was but it. But here's the thing, though. How many people in AEW that have succeeded and that are doing well that have been given spots where they were champions? How many of them actually failed the way that we saw the Wardlow one fail? I mean, the Hobbs not, one because it was all part of the same mess, though. Like what, QT, QTV with Hobbs, that did not Okay, yeah, work. that one, I'll give you that one. Yeah, I'll give it's, you that one. We'll talk about Hobbs in just a second, my, too. The reason I put it on creative and not Wardlow is every time that guy came out, he got a reaction. Every time he did the Powerbomb Symphony, he got reaction. Anytime he was doing crazy stuff off the top rope, he got a reaction. So to me, that says the performer was over and doing his job. The creative was not sufficient enough to support the performer so that's where i draw the line um See, i was bored with the powerbomb symphonies i, I was too but then we were getting no like whisper in the winds when we got like like when we moved into the triple threat with hobbs and joe and him i felt like okay we're seeing some progression which is why i was like where why did we cut this off um so that that's, I, how do i that's say this i feel I feel like the ship has sailed with that story with MJF and Wardlow. Like, yeah, they can circle back to it and they'll have a couple moments here and there. But I feel like so much has happened since then that I cannot tell you that my my interest is going to be completely reignited in a story between Wardlow and MJF. I, I just feel like now so many other people MJF's have written. come up. Like so many other people to me have just become much more interesting. For example, Orange Cassidy. Orange Cassidy had a freaking phenomenal reign as international champion. He freaking made that bout. To me, that guy's on the map now. Um, example, Swerve Strickland. He's out there freaking yeah. busting his ass, having all these incredible matches. That guy's on the map now. Ricky Starks is another one. That guy's on the map now. Unfortunately, time kind of moved on, and I almost feel like the moment kind of passed. Like, I feel like, yeah, sure, they, they people always love, like, throwbacks right people always love like oh yeah yeah like they're circling back to this because oh because of their history with this and that right everyone's gonna remember the um you know the the story about the airplane and whether or not mjf bought the ticket or whether or not he was gonna leave we all know that story but i just personally feel like it's almost if you were to go back to keith lee and swerve strickland we never got that official matchup. Yes, they had the great story. But to me, the MJF Wardlow stuff is along the same lines already as that. And Wardlow already finished off MJF that, that day at Double or Nothing. That was, the, that was the finish. That was it. That was the payoff. We got that moment. It was one and done. MJF left for but months, and that was it. Who would he want to have in his corner more than anyone? The guy that beat him. So I feel like they should be realigned. And then they should turn again. I'm not thinking in terms of this guy should have a year-long title reign after winning it. He might even lose it back to MJF not that long after. But I feel like 
you got to get this guy back to where he was because he was a rising star and there's a really, really fun way to do it. I've had this in my head since MJF won the title. I was like, he's going to drop it to either Eddie Kingston at Grand Slam, which obviously didn't happen, or he's going to drop it to Wardlow. I have, I have married that in my brain so much and I feel like this is just like the perfect environment to do it in because he has, it looks like, I don't know if it's going to be MJF stable or just mercenaries like he has, but I feel like if he's forming those people again, that's a really great way to get things sorted. So I love how Errol Helms fine. Goes. Drop it to Jay White. I feel that because you were really passionate about your your plan, and I was like, no. I'll be like Tony Storm out here. <laughs> you're like i'm never coming back on your show again no please no i love this i love yeah me this. too i do but uh errol holmes says you ladies fighting is awesome will you be here tuesday title <laughs> tuesday right. kate and denise by the way if wardlow gets hot again we're gonna have to circle back to this conversation because i'm gonna want your thoughts and opinions when that happens or if we ever get back down to that whole story so we'll see uh, but thank you so much to errol holmes for the super chat as well uh, there was another super chat that i think i haven't gotten yet yes this one's from rafael garcia thank you so much to rafael who says it makes the most sense to me for wardlow to win if you think about it a lot of the reason he didn't go over was because of the MJF walkout. So Kate, this is somebody more in your favor Thanks, for this Raphael, booking idea. For understanding me and my perspective as a guest on this show. No, I'm just kidding. I actually love this because like I've I've been in that camp for a while and I, I haven't heard anybody who's fully like nah. So it's it's good. Like I love that kind of stuff. And by the way, I love Jay White. If he's the guy to do it, I'm not mad about it. Like Jay White is great and he could be such a valuable world champion for this company. Would not be mad about it. I've just married this idea in my head. Christopher Marino says, it's okay, Denise. Uh, it's okay, Kate. Denise is a Dom fan. I, hey man, Dom got himself over. It worked. He got he's got more things going on than freaking Wardlow did. Think about that. But that, but that does fun. go to prove that, you know, but you are right, though, when it comes to the booking of Wardlow. I will say that, though. I do think that they definitely needed to spike things up just a lot more for him. They didn't really do him any favors there. But I also think that a lot of it has to do with uh, with what you're given. You have to make the best of it work, right? Like how many people haven't been given shitty booking and they somehow make it work? I agree with that. I just, I think the my last kind of Wardlow memory was... <laughs> He was over as hell at full gear in that triple threat. Like when I, I go back to, cause that was one of the last like meaningful mass matches he really had that triple threat with Samoa Joe. When he went up for that whisper in the wind, it was deafeningly loud. Um, and I just feel like, man, and you said it yourself, like he's capable of being white hot. So maybe it's part of him. Maybe it was white hot. Like, get it together is what I'm saying. He was white hot during that double or nothing yeah. period. Like they had, I mean, I remember Revolution when he came out and he cost MJF this match against Punk. I was there. I remember this. Like, it, and it's very unfortunate because I think back then you would have never thought that it would have gone down the way that it did. So that's where we're at with that. Um, all right. So we are going to go ahead and press on from here. Again, guys, feel free to send in your thoughts as we continue on. Uh, I want to go ahead and get into, uh, let's go ahead and get into the opening match that we had. Really quick thoughts on Ray Phoenix uh, versus Nick Jackson for the AEW International title. This was a phenomenal opener. I almost felt like this was a, a symbolic 
of this opening up the show for the four-year AEW Dynamite. To me, it felt kind of symbolic where it's like these two guys have such a good history. I mean, obviously, Nick Jackson, clearly the elite, great history with AEW, but also Ray Phoenix and the Lucha Bros. You know, they've been there for a long time doing their shit. And I feel like even just like the style of the match that they had, AEW has never shied away from that style. And so to me, this kind of felt like a really nice little this is AEW and yay, we've been killing it for the last four years type match. Yeah, this was definitely, uh, this is what AEW does at its core really well type match. That's kind of how this episode was. Like, I think if this anniversary episode wasn't sandwiched between like, we had title Tuesday next Tuesday, we had Wrestle Dream this week, we had two pay-per-views before, it might've been like a little juiced up. This felt a little bit more on the recappy side. Um, but certainly not a, a bad episode, just not as balls to the wall as they might have gone if it was a standalone type thing in the four year anniversary. But a match like this is kind of like the microcosm of what they do really well, right? They have um, Nick Jackson, I think. I never want to see the Young Bucks split up. I don't, but I can't sit here and pretend I'm not interested in a Nick Jackson singles run the same way I can't sit and pretend that I'm not interested in an Anthony Bowen singles run. There are certain tag wrestlers that I'm like, I would like to see what you do on your own a little bit. And this was a fantastic example of that. These guys obviously so familiar with each other from the tag matches and their history. Uh, but, but to what you said, I, I think you said it perfectly. Like this is the perfect encapsulation of what four years of AEW dynamite looks like. All right. And I want to go ahead and fast forward to the tag team match that we got. That was also heavily promoted on this show. Chris Jericho, Kenny Omega teaming up together to take on Kyle Fletcher and Kanoshke Takeshita. Because the big thing that came out of this, we had a pretty damn good match too. This was very, very enjoyable. But the big thing that came out of this is that when Kyle and uh, Kanoshke Takeshita got the loss in this match, we ended up seeing afterwards powerhouse Hobbs come through and he ends up attacking both Chris Jericho and Kenny but then really hones in on Kenny literally throws them out uh, through the barricade into the chairs attacks them gets at one point Kenny Omega's head is literally in between bars of the barricade and is stuck there and I'm thinking shit is he gonna be able to get out he does but uh we get back into the ring they literally duct tape him to the actual ropes and there's this beat down and we have powerhouse Hobbs in cahoots now he has aligned himself with Don Callis and I'm going to start off by saying this Kate I kind of love it I kind of love it because I feel that powerhouse Hobbs when he won the championship it was very cool right but the QT Marshall stuff that really brought it down a whole lot. And I really kind of felt bad for Hobbs being stuck in that. And I wanted to see him branch out. And thankfully he did. And that match that he had with Miro, dude, that was so freaking over that day that I'm thinking, okay, we got to make sure we, you know, capitalize off of that. Like what else are we gonna do with powerhouse Hobbs? So now putting Hobbs in this whole position with Don Callis, I kind of feel like, yeah, we're this is exciting. We're going to get this new version of Hobbs. I think this is refreshing. And seeing him mix it in there with Kenny Omega and Chris Jericho, that's freaking awesome. I'm a little split on this because I really thought this was going to be the payoff for what CJ Perry was going to do as far as who she was managing that is on the opposite side of Miro. Um, I, I thought that was going to be the move, and I really liked that pairing. The Callis family right now is so super hot. It doesn't make me mad at all. 
I really thought that might be the place for Kyle Fletcher to go because Will Ospreay is already there, right? We've already seen that. We we got our United Empire. We love it. <laughs> I thought Kyle Fletcher, while Mark Davis is out, that, that could be like a really nice move. Still could be, certainly. But the kid disappointed Don Callis. The kid did disappoint Don Callis, didn't he? So um, I, I'm intrigued by it. I just feel like uh, you there was a clear-cut path in my view, that it was going to be C.J. Perry managing Hobbs and we were just going to run him and Miro back until the end of time. The 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 chant of meat was over. That's how over that match was today. So I assumed we were going to run it back. Still certainly could, by all means, but it just felt like with the tension that we got with C.J. Perry and Miro, to me it felt obvious that she was going to be managing him and Miro would go ballistic on this, right? So um, not mad about it. I'm just intrigued to see what they have in store for the other side of that then, because I thought that's where it was going. Yeah. You know, you, when you mentioned the CJ Perry thing, it got me going, oh yeah, that's still a thing. Huh? I keep forgetting about it. Honestly, I don't feel like they've done enough to make me go, oh yeah, the CJ Perry thing with Miro. I, it's kind of just there to me, honestly. I, I thought they would follow up a lot more stronger than they have. Magnum White sends in a super chat saying New Day has proven you can do singles um, without breaking up. Yeah, that's definitely true. Like, I don't mind seeing teams go out there and, you know, have these matches on their own, but then come together and have matches together. I think to me, that only makes sense because you add to you add to multiple divisions that way. Definitely. All righty. Um, so we are about to round out our, sh- our show here today. Uh, but before we do, guys, of course, this is the last call for Super Chats if any of you guys wanted to get anything in. But before I wrap it up, I want to go ahead and run down the card for Title Tuesday, which is going to be taking place next week. So just a friendly reminder to everybody to next week, NXT and AEW are going to be going head to head. So what that means for the post show, uh, normally I do an NXT post show and I also do an AEW post show. What this means is that we are going to be doing a joint post show. Reg and I will be back next week and we're going to do a joint post show post show. It's going to be completely different probably than what we normally do just to make sure that we get in the very best stuff. So it's going to kind of be a crazy night. So make sure you guys bear with us and you will get the best of both worlds uh, on that show. So it's going to be a lot of fun. But title Tuesday for AEW, we're going to be seeing Adam Copeland versus Luchasaurus. Jay White versus Adam Page, Ray Phoenix versus John Moxley, Soraya versus Hikarashita, Powerhouse Hobbs versus Chris Jericho, and Swerve Strickland versus Brian Danielson. Uh, we talked earlier, Kay, about Swerve and Brian Danielson. Is there any other match that you're looking at here and you're going, damn, I can't wait to see? Because mine is JY Adam Page. I can't wait to see that one. Yeah, I was just going to say that's the other one that really, really, really stands out to me. I'm also just intrigued to see what happens with Edge. Like, I d- just, uh, seeing him back in what's going to happen when that dude's in an AEW ring. I'm not necessarily like super like, Oh yeah. Luchasaurus is the move, but I am just like, what's that going to be like? Obviously Christian's going to be out there. So um, I'm almost more excited for the moment that it is than for anything else. Meet Norma says meet forever. Potnus. You two are goats. (laughs) Toodles. Thank you so much. Meet Norma for the super chat. I'm also laughing at this because Kyler James wrote, LMAO, Reg has to watch it. (laughs) 
I messaged him and I was like, hey, Reg, are you cool if we do this? And he's like, yeah, sure. So it'll be a good time. It'll be fun to hear his perspective on that. All right, but we are about to wrap it up. The next show that I will be back on here, I will be here on Friday to talk about SmackDown. So if you guys want to come hang out, come join that stream, I will be here. And then Saturday, I will also be here to do a WWE Fastlane watch along. Damn, these Fastlane, I mean, these watch alongs were <laughs> kind of far and few in between. And there's been so many shows. So I've been doing a lot more watch alongs. They're pretty fun. They're very chill. If you just want to come out and hang out, that's a good time to join. But before we go, Kate, please let the people know where they can follow you, where they can show you some love. Absolutely. You can find me at Miss Kate Fame on Twitter and TikTok. You can also find me at Kate's Instagrams at Instagram. But I'm all over Fightful on Mondays. I'm on Fightful Select doing the Raw post show Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays on the main channel with your NXT. That'll be a funny little situation as well this week. Uh, ROH and SmackDown reviews and Wednesdays. But I'm not with the lovely Denise. I am at the Mark Order podcast arguing with them about why Wardlow should also win the title, in my opinion. <laughs> Awesome. Kate, thank you so much for thank filling you. in. I appreciate I so you a fun. whole lot. Thank you. So righty, everyone. That is it for us here today. Do not forget to leave a review on Apple Pods and we will catch you guys next time. Bye, everyone.